So this morning, um, we continue our journey on identity, intimacy, identity, inheritance every year at Living Water. So I believe, I was looking back at my notes, I think we started doing this in like 2017. Is there anybody who's been here for all of these since 2017? You, you show up, you're not like, I'll catch it back. <laughs> Call me in April, I'll be back. Um, so we do this and it is such a, a passion of our hearts. We to get to be able to go into the nuance and the layers of what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be able to access um, the Father because of the completed work of Jesus. And as I, as I shared earlier today, that's what I want to make sure that we know and that we understand is that so much of us walking in our identity is an act of worship and celebration of what Jesus accomplished. And without Jesus, we don't get to have any of this conversation about being sons or daughters or identifying in him or anything like that. And the kind of the, the driving thing is for me as as we're looking at this series as I look at my my kids and in that reality of, of my kids' lives, there's nothing as a father that I want more for them to know that they are totally seen, that they're completely loved, that they have a father who is with them and beside them and is is for them and that they would walk in that. And, and I know that they're gonna make decisions and do things and have experiences and, and ups and downs and highs and lows and, and there's gonna be a, a lot of the journey. But through all of that journey, if, I, if they would just know that I, they have a father who loves them and is for them and, and, and that they would know who they are. Like just, I want them to know who they are so, so deeply. And I want them to, to celebrate their uniqueness and all of that. But that's sort of the heart of what I believe that, that, that the father, that God, our father, I think that's his heart for, for each one of us is that we would know that you would know how deeply loved you are and that you would be able to walk in who the father says that you are. And sometimes I'll admit that that is a journey. It is a process, even though it's real and true in Jesus. And as we've talked about in intimacy, we have been possessed positioned in Christ, there is a process to walking out our identity. And sometimes that means extrapolating ourselves from places that are, that we have found our identity that aren't truly who the Father says that we are. So I want to talk about what that looks like this morning and share with you some examples and some stories. Um, the promise that we have in Christ is this, that those who have received Jesus, that we, those who have believed in Jesus' name, that he gave us the right to become children of God. That's John 1, 12. That's our promise that we stand on. As we believe in Jesus, we call on his name, that we have received him, that we now have the right to be called children of God. That, should, that alone right there should blow our mind. But this is the truth, that Jesus is everything. He is the invitation and the access point to everything that we're gonna teach you about, that we walk in, that we talk about uh, when it comes to intimacy, identity, and inheritance. Uh, as Christian shared this scripture this morning, Romans 8 is such a great spot for us to jump off on these weeks of identity. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves again to religion or, or any of that so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought, you, brought about your adoption to sonship as sons and daughters. And by God, by him, we cry, Abba, Father. It is only through that beautiful process that we get to say, I've been adopted and I can stand before my father and say, here I am, here I am. And that's the beauty of what we celebrate. And as I said earlier, part of our life, our worship, our celebration of what Jesus has accomplished is simply how we walk it out and how we choose to allow our lives to be refined um, by the Spirit of God and, and walking in our true identity. 
So, what, and then what happens through our process of coming to Jesus? Like, what happens when we come to the Father? Here's what happens, is he speaks truth and identity over you and over me. And so that's what we want to step into this morning. In Jesus, know this, that you are defined by God alone. He identifies you as belonging to him. That establishes first your value. Before we're worried about identity, let's just establish your value, is that as you come through Christ to the Father, he looks at you and says, you belong to me. I, I, I cherish you and I value you. That's such a rad place to, to live out of. If we can live, simply live out of the value of who the Father says that we are. Um, that, I, be, I believe, is the inception point, that seed that our identity grows from. And so that's what happens is that he establishes that value and he reminds us, I believe as we come to the Father, just reminds us that we are not defined by any of the stuff that maybe the, that we have learned to be defined by or we're looking around saying, are you defined by what you have? Are you defined by maybe your past or you're allowing yourself to be defined by your mistakes or your failures or you're defined by your successes or you're defined by um, what people think of you. Whatever you. I mean, you can fill in the list. We could be here for hours doing this. Like what do people find that defines them or what do they find their value or their worth in? But the truth is, is when we come to the Father, we discover very quickly that all of that stuff, so much of it is circumstantial, so much of it changes, so much of it is fleeting. A lot of it is human effort that we are holding onto or we're propping ourselves up. And when we stand before God, it really doesn't take long before we go, oh my gosh, like I'm de I've defined myself by my, my, myself. There's only, there's only one. Uh, I've defined myself by what, people think of me or by what I've accomplished or things that I can point at instead of defining my whole life by who the Father says that I am. And so this, this yearly call to identity is simply a reminder to say, let's come back and let's be refashioned in the image of the word that the Father would speak over you. And let's make sure that as we're looking around the things that say, I have found my worth in whatever, that we're allowing this time, this month, uh, to be able to call us back out of those, those things, those lesser definitions of who you are into the greater definition that the Father has of who you are. Because the reality, I, I was sharing this with the first, first service, and it's funny because it's such a word picture, or it's such a vivid picture in my head, but it's, a, it's hard to describe it. But what I have learned over the years is that anything that I project is my image. I have to defend it, and I have to, I have to prop it up. So as soon as I I project like my image is in what people think of me or my image is in my success or my image, whatever it is. Like as soon as that becomes a reality that I live out of, I am committing my full-time responsibility now is to make sure that I'm protecting that image that I've projected, right? I have to defend it. I have to prove it. I have to live up to it. And that becomes extremely wearying. And I think that a lot of times as, faith, as followers of Jesus, we don't experience the richness that the word promises us in our relationship with Jesus because we haven't fully given our identity over to who the Father says we are and we're still like I believe in Jesus but I also believe that I need to please God through my effort I, I mean I believe in Jesus but I also believe that I need to make a lot of money and prove that I'm successful and that I'm worth it or I I believe in Jesus but my parents never believed in me and so my life is spent trying to prove to them that I'm valuable or that I'm worth it or whatever it is you guys understand how those patterns of thinking begin to fit into our life the problem is and this is the picture that I have in my head is is almost like I create this mannequin that looks a lot like me and acts a lot like me and talks a lot like me, but it's, but it's a lot of stuff that I have found my identity in and that I think that people want or I think that, that God, the Father, wants. And I, and I learn 
to kind of like present this false self out there so that so people will accept me or appreciate me or is it do you guys know what I'm saying? Like, what will, what will you appreciate? What will you love me for? Like, what can I bring that's worth it? You're trying to, I'm trying to do all those things and I sort of create it into this image and, it, and it, it's pushed out in front of me and, and it receives love and appreciation from people and, and, and all of that stuff. But what happens is all of that lands on this sort of false image that I project and it never lands on my heart. And my heart's never restored by the love of the Father because I'm always have an imposter that I've sort of presented to God or I've learned to present to God. And instead, what we're, what we're saying here is that we are, um, <laughs> I don't want us to choose to live with less of that love that the Father has for us or the presence that the Father has for us because we're more interested in projecting and protecting an image instead of really being honest about what's going on in our heart or what's going on in our home or what's going on in our head. It's like, you have this struggle. You're dealing with this reality. This thing hurts. And, I, and I, I'm not saying that we should just be like, let's go make a big negative list. But, I, but really, I am going, I'm gonna tell you this. It's like, when you can receive the love of the Father in your deepest struggle or your, your greatest place of doubt and not feel like you have to project a false image to please him, that is you bringing your real self into the spotlight of God's love. And maybe for the first time in a long time, you're not asking God to love a false image of you or a projection of you. You're actually bringing your full self into that, even if you're, even if you're messy, right? Does that picture, I mean, I picture it in my head and it makes total sense. I hope, I hope it makes sense to you guys to get what I'm saying. Is that like coming into identity, a lot of times is just putting down a bunch of performance, laying it all down, going, this is who I am. This is where I'm really at. This is what my life is really like. This is what my thought life is really like. This is what I'm going through, blah, blah, blah. And, go, and, and the father goes, yes, finally. Finally, now my love has a target that's real. I can't love a false you. I can only love you. But until you're willing to say, this is who I am, this is where I'm at, my love is gonna have a hard time reaching you. Not that God's love is, you can't limit it. So anyway, you guys tracking? Sort of, if not, just be like, yeah, because this is the weird thing about public speaking as the person says something and you feel obligated to agree. Um, and I go home and be like, I was great. You have no idea what I was talking about. So this is the, uh, <clears throat> okay, so let me, let me read my notes so I'm not just going out in left field here. Many of us have made the choice to die spiritually and emotionally in private pain and doubt uh, instead of letting people know what is really going on in our home, our heads, and our hearts because we're more concerned with protecting our image and ref than we are of reflecting his. And, and that is truly no way for us to live. So what we are saying is let's find our true identity in God. Let's live in uh, congruency with that. And let's find that we feel and, and, and are much more whole when the father is able to walk into whatever place we find ourselves and say, I love you. Because a good father doesn't judge you, doesn't despise you, doesn't throw you away. No matter what you're going through today, he loves you fiercely right in your mess, right in whatever you're going through. A good father brings restoration and healing to your broken places. Often when we project an image, we're, 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 we're protecting ourselves from God that we think a God is, uh, our father is gonna be disappointed in us. And so what happens, we discover, is that when those broken places that probably 
maybe they feel like they deserve disappointment. He comes to those places. And when he restores you and loves you and speaks life into that place, we come alive in, an, in a new way that we never would have experienced before. He empowers us to walk in freedom in places that we previously were held in bondage. So often we're hiding places that we're in bondage, but it is in the invitation of a father that would walk into those places that truly sets, begins the process of setting us free and walking in our true identity. We have a good father who will wrestle with us. He will wrestle with our false identity to remove it so that he can access our true identity. But he's fighting for us. He's not fighting against us. Until, and he will, he will wrestle with us in love until we know who we are, we know what we're doing, and we're walking in the identity and the value that he speaks over us. And even if that means that after wrestling with God, we have to walk with a limp. I know in my life I'm learning that it's okay to walk with a limp. It's okay not to be able to sprint because I have a father who I am wrestling with and, and a good father, but I'm wrestling with. And in some of that wrestling, I'm being refined. And in some of that wrestling, maybe there's some things that I will never be able to just go, oh, I'm back to whatever and I can run. Like if, if it costs me a limp to be able to know my true identity and experience the father in every area of my heart and my life, I would rather be with you walking community in a community that limps that, and knows their identity in the Father than, than people who can sprint at full speed, but they don't have any idea who they are. They're just going full bore all the time. Like, let's limp a little bit because we've been with the Father and some of that stuff that we walk with, we're okay. This is just the pace that we have now because of the story that we carry. Um, I, I, when, I, when, I, when I begin this teaching on intimate or identity, I always think about Jacob and that's where that whole concept of walking with a limp comes from. So let me remind you of the story of Jacob. A lot of you... Um, may know it, a lot of you may not know it, or the full scope of it. And I'm, and I'm going to tell you the story a little bit, just paraphrase it this morning. You can read it, Genesis 25, 26, and on um, is the story of, of Jacob. And in this story of Jacob, it begins in Genesis 25, and <clears throat> he, was a, he was born to his mom, and he was a twin, and his, his, his older brother came out first, and, and it says that Jacob came out and he was holding on to the heel of his older brother. And, it, and they named him one who grasps or one who tries to seize. And it gives you this image of somebody who is, who's striving or grasping for uh, that, that, I want to be the first one out so that I can have the birthright, right? Back in, the, in those days, that was a big deal. And, and, and whether that's something conceptually that he understood or not, it just is part of this beautiful story is that Jacob, from the very beginning of his life, was grasping for this idea identity of like, I want the recognition and the acknowledgement of my father. I want to be first. I want to do it. And so he's holding on to his brother as his brother is born. And so then you have this story of Jacob who is now going through his life as one who grasps. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but I think every single one of us in this room can, can understand what it feels like to grasp for identity, to grasp for belonging, to grasp, to be first, to grasp for whatever it is that we've put ahead of us as some kind of goal or dream. Like we are all graspers, okay? And I, I know I spent a lot of my life grasping for identity and I don't know how my parents got me through middle school and high school and on, but, but I was constantly like, I mean, I had great parents and a great home, but for whatever reason, I was like, I, maybe I'll find identity in what these people think of me. Maybe I'll find identity in sports. Maybe I'll find identity in this, this person or this thing. And like, I know what that feels like. And so Jacob was this person who just was grasping and grasping and grasping, constantly grasping. And, and so it became sort of this, this reality of his life 
So always grasping for that, that identity as the oldest son or that birthright. What does he do? So Jacob in his life, he grasped for it when he was born. And then he, he, he tricked his brother and he stole it. If you guys remember the story, Esau was his older brother. He went out hunting. He came back and he was extremely hungry. And he said, Jacob, and Jacob's sitting there because he never went out into the woods. He was like, I'll just stay here and, and cook, which is great. So he's cooking. And, and, and then Esau comes back and says, give me some of that food that you've made. And he says, I'll give you this food, but you have to trade me for your birthright. And so Esau, his older brother, actually traded his birthright for a bowl of soup that, that Jacob made. And so Jacob tricked his older brother into giving over this identity that he so desperately wanted. He was grasping for it. So he tricked his brother, literally tricked him into giving up his birthright over a bowl of soup. So he, he stole it or he traded for it. And then later on, he stole it. His father was old, couldn't see, and he was going to bless his oldest son. And so he sent his oldest son Esau, go out, Kill an animal, make me a meal, come back, and I will bless you as the oldest son. And Jacob gets word of this. And so what does he do? While Esau's out hunting, Jacob dresses himself up as his brother, gets a meal that would be good enough to trick his father, goes into his father's presence, and his father says, Esau, is that you? And Jacob, to his face, or to his face as a blind father, goes, yes, father, it's me. And he tricked his father, and then his father gave him the blessing of the firstborn son. See, Jacob was striving for it. He was grasping for it. He was doing anything if he had to trade for it, if he had to steal it. And so he got the blessing of the first. That was, became his identity because why? He got the birthright. He stole it. He tricked his brother. He, he, he got the blessing as the firstborn son. And then he even lived in it for years and years and years, gaining massive amounts of possession and favor. And everywhere he went, he carried himself as the oldest son. He carried himself as the favored son. He had everything. It says uh, he, his, he had his wives. He had his, his uh, herds of animals and just massive amounts of stuff. So he was successful walking out this identity as the firstborn son that he stole. But he knew in his heart that he was always an imposter. He knew in his heart that he was always a pretender. And this was something that he had grasped and stole and tricked his family into giving to him. Until one night, as the story goes, Jacob and Esau, his older brother, had been estranged for years and years and years. And, and Jacob's now traveling with all of his possessions. He's gained millions of dollars equal to worth of possessions. And he's, he's bringing them all and he's traveling and he hears that his brother Esau wants to come and meet him. And he panics, he freaks out. Why? Because his whole image, everything that he's built, it's all, it's all propped up. It's all false. He knows it. I'm an imposter. I'm not really who I say I am. And so when he hears that his brother is gonna meet with him and his brother is obviously way scarier than he was, uh, he decides, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take all these possessions that I've earned and worked for and I'm gonna send them, half of them in one direction and half of them in another direction so that if part of them get taken, I don't lose everything. And then I'm gonna take some gifts and I'm gonna lay them out before me and I'm gonna send them to my brother and he's gonna come along the road and he's gonna go, there's a gift for you, there's a gift for you, there's a gift for you. And just maybe by the time he gets here, he won't completely destroy me, right? And so this night comes and Jacob has sent everything away. Everything that he found, his identity and his value in, his purpose in, his whole life was striving to be this thing that he wasn't and, he, and it was all gone. And in that moment and in that darkness, what happens? It says that God in the, in the form of a man, a theophany, God shows up in his camp and it's just Jacob. And I find it interesting. 
I, I do find this parallel is that so often when we have finally relinquished all the things that we find our identity in, all the things we've tried to earn, all the things we've tried to prove, all that stuff, when, when that stuff gets stripped away, that's often the moment that God says, okay, let's wrestle and find out who you really are. And so Jacob wrestles with God that night and he wrestles him and he wrestles him and he holds on to him. And all of a sudden, one who grasps became one who grapples, one who holds and doesn't let go. And so he wrestled through the darkest of nights. He wrestled with God and he wouldn't let go. And because he wouldn't let go, this, this angel or this angel of God or this theophany, whatever it was, uh, God in, in the flesh wrestles with him and he, and he won't let go. And so he reaches over and he touches his hip and he puts his hip out of socket. And he says, who are you? What's your name? He says, my name is Jacob. He says, no longer. Your name is now Israel because you have wrestled with God and with man and you've come out victorious. And so it was in the night when everything was stripped away, when his identity was removed and all the things that he had built his identity on was stripped away, that he was able to meet with God and wrestle with God and get the very thing that he had grasped for his entire life as I just want the Father to speak identity over me. And so he walked out of that place without any of his stuff and with his limp, but he was radically changed. And you can look at his life and you can see a shift that took place. Why? Because he stopped grasping for something and God gave him something that he needed. And so when we stop grasping for identity, when we stop trying to build all of this identity around our life, when we are stripped bare and our lives are laid bare and all the things that we've propped up are gone and it's just us and God, it's just you and God, you might have to wrestle but I'm telling you, you are wrestling with a good father who wants to show you that your identity shouldn't be in any of that stuff, but your identity needs to be in who he says that you are. That moment can change your life. And I know that's true in the earthly realm. I know that's true here. My father, there was a moment in my life where I was struggling. And in my struggle, I was in a Probably now you can look back and be like, yeah, I was in a place of depression and I was just living. I had moved back home after being moved away and things were not going the way I wanted them to do. I, I, I'm, you have all found yourself in this place where you have such high expectations for a season that you think something's gonna happen and it's gonna go this way and it's gonna end up this way. You've all found yourself in those moments, right? And when it doesn't happen, you have to make a choice at this dead end of saying, do I set up shop here? Do I camp here and live here? Or do I ask God, like what else, what else do you have for me? Where should I go? What should I do? And I was in a season where I was frankly just choosing to build my life at a dead end. I was so bitter, frustrated, angry, disappointed. I'm like, this is, this is the reality of it. And I will never forget this. I was sitting down in my room. I had, I had a room that I had built or that my, my parents had built in a, in a kind of a basement space. And I was sitting down there and I'd spending, been spending a ton of time down there. I hadn't been very relational. I hadn't been really doing a lot of the family stuff. And my father came down. He didn't come down and scold me. He didn't come down and say, hey, I'm so disappointed in you. You're, you're just sitting down here. It looks like you've given up and why don't you do better? Or, you know, you know who you are or anything like that. He just came into my room and he put his hands on my shoulder, on my shoulders and he stood behind me and he just began to prophesy not only to who I was, but also to my future. And he spoke over my life and he began to, to speak scripture over my life and just began to, and his, this, this reality, this moment of a father speaking over me changed my, the trajectory of my life in that moment. 
So I understand how powerful it is to have an earthly father who speaks over our lives. But we don't all have that. But the good news is, is that because of Jesus and the reality of that is that every single one of us have a heavenly father who wants to do the same for us, wants to put his hands on your shoulder no matter what season you're in right now, no matter what identity you maybe have propped up or what you've built that says, this is who I am, this is whatever. Forgetting all of that, he just wants to put his hands on your life and he wants to speak identity over you. He wants to speak hope over you and he wants to speak destiny over you. He wants to speak a future over you. And this is such a powerful shift that begins to happen. We see it in the life of Jesus. If you guys remember, when Jesus was baptized, what happened? He went into the water. He came out of the water. This is Matthew or Luke 7. Uh, and he comes out of the water. And what happens is it says that the heavens open. The presence of the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and rested on him. And then the Father spoke over Jesus. He said, this is my son whom I love, in him I am proud. I am pleased with him. I am proud of him. Now, I know I've said this to you every year for, for however long, since 2017, whatever. But listen, recognize this. That moment of identity being spoken by the Father over Jesus, not only did it unleash his destiny and his future, he spoke that before he had done anything. He hadn't done a miracle. He hadn't saved a life, raised the dead, done any of those things yet. This was the truth of who you are apart from what you're gonna do or what you're gonna accomplish or any of those things. How quick are we to think, yes, the Father's proud of me when I accomplish something, when I do something. But this was the Father showing us and showing Jesus, I see you, you're my son, I love you, and I'm proud of you. I believe every single person in this room needs to hear that this morning before you walk out of this place is that you would have the Father speaking over you. I see you, I love you, I am proud of you. But what about all the things I need to, no, no. Just stand and receive. I see you, you're my son, you're my daughter, I love you. And I'm proud of you. You see, when we receive that message, when we receive that heart from a father in the earthly realm, like the story I told you, it changes things. But when we can walk in that kind of intimacy and identity in the spiritual realm as our daily reality, it will begin to revolutionize your life. Because you're not living for an accomplishment. You're living from a reality that your father speaks over you. He sees you. He loves you. He's proud of you. And when you can make that your foundational truth for your life, so much striving and straining and performing and projecting and protecting, it all goes away. Yeah, we may walk with a limp because letting go of false identity sometimes hurts us. But wouldn't you rather walk with a limp and walk in your true identity? Absolutely, we would. This is the same thing that took place in, in Luke 4 where there's a conversation between Peter and Jesus or the disciples and Jesus. Sorry, Luke 4 was Jesus, baptism. Peter and the disciples were talking and it was in Matthew 16. Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Listen to what Jesus asks them. But what about you, he asked who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. His name was Simon at this point. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you 
that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. This reality in this moment of Jesus asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? Some say you're this, some say you're this, some say you're this. He says, wait, who do you say that I am? And Peter was able to speak out of revelation of who Jesus was. But because he had grasped who Jesus was, Jesus was then able in that moment to speak new identity over him and new destiny over him. Understand this, that it is your revelation of who the Father is, of who Jesus is, and being able to declare that and see it that allows the Father to be able then to speak to you new identity and new destiny and new purpose in your life. We have to have this moment where God asks us, who do you see? say that I am. We don't need any more Christians who have some say. Some say this, some say that. I don't want you to be able to tell me what your parents told you that God was like. I don't want you to be able to tell me what your church tells you that God is like. I don't want you to be able to tell me what your friends or your husband or your wife says, well, God's like this or God's like this. No, I want to know, and I can talk to you about the direction of your life based on how you answer this question. Who is God to you? Who is God to you? Not some say, but to you. And out of that revelation, out of that place of being able to know God and be face-to-face with him, intimacy, out of that place, he is able to then release to you your identity. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I'm proud of you. So I'm going to have the worship team come up here, and this is what we're going to spend the next 20 minutes or so doing, is this activation of this morning's time. Because we have this place and this opportunity to be able to um, not just hear about these things, but really take some time to practice them. I I sent out a text this morning. I I don't know if you got it, but I sent out a text this morning. I said, hey, bring a journal or some paper or something to to church this morning. Um, But also, if you have a phone, it it works just as well. So if you guys would take just a second and get out something that you can write on um, for me. So as we take this time, we're just going to discover who God is and we're going to allow him some opportunity to, to, to speak back to us, discovering who we are and just being restored maybe to some of that identity that you know is yours in Christ, but maybe it's been worn off by this last season of life. Maybe it's been challenged or just feels like it's a little bit hard to grasp. I want this morning to be an opportunity for some restoration to take place for his sons and daughters. So on the top of each of your pages, or if you want to, if you're on a notes app, whatever, um, we're going to write this question. Who do you say I am? And now I'm going to sing it. <laughs> just kidding. I'm sorry. I would never, I would never do that to you. It just was, <laughs> oh my goodness. We would have some sort of revival. <laughs> Who do you say I am? And I'm gonna ask you to do two things. Let me lay this out for you so you know what to expect. You can can ease into it. You can be comfortable in it. We believe that that God is real, that God is here, that his spirit is here, and that he wants to speak to every one of you. Every one of us, he wants to speak to us. And it may not be the same way, or we understand it's not audible, but if we open our hearts to him, as we have access to him through our relationship with Jesus, that he wants to speak to you, and that we're able to speak to him. So the first question we're gonna answer is 
the, the question that God is asking you. No more some say, but who do you say that I am? So for these, for these first 10 minutes or so, we're just gonna allow you to, as if God is asking you that question, who, who am I to you? Who do you say that I am? And I, and I want you to take time to just reflect, allow the spirit of God, his presence here, to just help you reflect who is God to you. If you stood before him and he asked you this question, who do you say I am? Who am I to you? That you would take some time and just free write in response to that. What comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So this is a, a, a practice in allowing a refining to take place of your image of God. And then when we're finished with that, we're gonna return that to that question, but now we're gonna, we're gonna answer it because God would ask you the same question. Um, sorry, that he would be, okay, this is you being able to answer this question. Who does he say that you are? You're asking him, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Okay, and so that's an opportunity that we have to respond and listen and allow the Father to speak over you who he says that you are. So as music plays, we're gonna worship a little bit. I just want you to begin this application by having hearing God ask you, who do you say that I am? And take a few minutes and just respond to that. And then I'll have, we'll switch that. And we get to ask God that same question and allow him to spend some time answering that for us.
Okay, now I want us to switch that question. And I want you to ask the Father, who do you say that I am? And just allow him to begin to speak truth over you. I saw a picture of, a, of like an old city um, with, with a wall, like a stone wall that was torn down and beaten down. It had all these gates and they were collapsed. And, and, um, and, I, and I just saw the, the Spirit of God coming to those gates and restoring every one of those gates. And he was like, as God would restore those gates, the wall was reformed. Those gates were reformed of, 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 of identity around our lives. And around, on top of every gate, he written a phrase or a word. And it just defined that gate that he was restoring. And then he put his presence in front of it as a guard over your identity. And so I just believe that this place of vulnerability, one, that you are going to hear the voice of God. Two, that in places where your identity maybe has been beaten down or crumbled down, that he wants to restore the gates. And he wants to put words over every single one of them that just define who you are and who he sees you as. So God, we ask, Lord, we ask this, this spirit of adoption would fall heavy in this place as we ask you this question. Father, who do you say that I am? We believe that everyone can hear your voice. We stand on your scripture and your promise that you want to be face to face with us, that you want to speak to us. So we wait on you in this place of vulnerability. And we allow you to speak over us as sons and daughters.
more I study scripture, the more I find a, a revelation of a God that, that pursues us and wants so deeply and passionately to make himself known to us. God wants to speak to you as you step into relationship with Jesus, as you come into sonship and daughtership through Christ, as we said that Jesus is that invitation and the access point, that God's Spirit pours out upon you, God's Spirit fills you, and God's Spirit pursues you to make Himself known to you. I have a friend who, when I first got to know him, he, he didn't believe that God wanted to communicate with him or be present in the way that just consistently spoke to him and and, and we started a journey of faith together and, and just talking about that and, and challenging him and and it got to the point where he just said okay God if you want us if you if you truly want to make yourself known to me if you truly want to speak to me I'm I'm listening because it turned out that it wasn't that God wasn't speaking to him it was that he didn't believe that he had a father who wanted to truly impart wisdom and identity to him as a son and as he tackled those beliefs, lo and behold, he had to start carrying a journal and a pen around because God just constantly wanted to communicate with him and show him things and reveal things to him and talk to him about who he was and about, about his heart. And, and, and they began this beautiful, intimate relationship together to be able to have that kind of daily connection and conversation. And so what we did this morning, I don't want this to be like, oh, that one cool thing we did on a Sunday. Like, I believe with all of my heart, as I said, as I study scripture, I believe that God is a good father who has good things in store for you and who wants to make himself known to you and wants to show you who you are as a son or as a daughter. And he wants to talk to you about these things. And so don't make this a Sunday morning thing. This is an exercise that you can do daily, all the time, consistently. Keep your notes out. Be prepared as you step into that spirit of adoption, sons and daughters that say, okay, Father, I want to hear from you. I want to talk with you. I want to know who you are, and I want to know who you say I am. Just be prepared for an avalanche of truth to come your way. Open up your heart and your imagination to be able to hear from him. And as I said last week, when I say imagination, I don't mean you're imagining things. I mean that scripture says that God is better than you could ask or imagine. So we have permission. When you say, God, let me speak to me. I want to imagine what you would say to me as a father, that you're not making something up. You're just saying, I believe that you're a father who's better than I could even imagine. What's the best thing that you could say to me? What's the most intimate thing you could say to me? What's the secret of my life that you could speak to my heart? You're even better than that because you're better than I can imagine. And so we have this permission, this invitation to have this beautiful conversation with the Father. So what we want you to do with what he has shared with you today, whether it's a, a, a little tiny morsel of something beautiful or if it's a whole bunch of stuff, just allow this to be something that you speak Share it with someone that you came with. Talk about it because when we share it, it becomes something that we hold on to. It's easier for us to recall it and build faith upon it. So share it with somebody. Post it where you can see it. Throughout this month of identity, let this reality of what the Father spoke over you today, let it be something that you see every morning or every day or throughout your day and just go, oh yeah, that's who, that's who I am. That's who you see when you look at me. And let that be something that you can look at. Expect him to add to this. This is an ongoing conversation, I believe, around this, this topic of identity. He's chatty. 
He has so much he wants to say about who he sees when he looks at you, how, how proud he is of you, how much he loves you, what he has in store for you. He has so much that he wants to say to you as, as, as his daughter, as, as a son. He's chatty. And so I would say expect this to be a beautiful ongoing conversation around identity. And then one thing I would say, and this is a larger teaching, but you're, you're going, how do I know that I'm hearing the voice of God? One of the most beautiful things, and I've said this often, the gospels are, are there's four gospels in scripture. And I believe that means that for every time we read another book of the Bible, we should read the gospels four times, right? It's just, if you're wondering what is what does God's voice sound like? What does it look like? What is it that you would look to Jesus? We haven't always known what God was like. And for a lot of years and a lot of decades, a lot of generations, we stumbled around because we didn't know what God was like. But now we have Jesus. And because we have Jesus, we know how, we know how God looks, acts, responds, because He came to reveal the Father. So if you want to practice hearing God's voice, I would say practice reading and spending time in Scripture with Jesus. Because what you hear will call you into more identity that looks like Jesus. What you're challenged to do will look like the things that Jesus is doing. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. That's what I want us to have is that kind of relationship of identity where we can say, I know Jesus. And so I know the voice of the Father. So that's how we know because the result of hearing him and asking him, who am I to you and walking in that identity is that you look more and more like Jesus. So finally, I just want to say this. We're all done for this morning. Communion is open to you. If you would like to take communion, linger in here for a few minutes, assuming that you don't have kids to go get at Kingdom Kids. If you do, you got to go straight there. That's priority one. You don't get to be like, oh, I was taking communion and then I fell out under the Spirit. I laid on the floor for 30 minutes while you babysat my children. If you got kids, go grab your kids. But if you would like to come back in uh, or if you're here and you can just hang out, you're welcome to take communion. People ask us pretty regularly, hey, how do I give on a Sunday morning? I want to support you guys. Uh, if you're online, of course, you can give through our website. But if you're here, there's two black boxes on the back wall. You're welcome to put your offering in there if you'd like to. Um, but more than anything, uh, hang out, enjoy community, but we're going we're gonna to walk out into the lobby and do that. We're going to go get our kids. If you'd like to stay in here, just hang out. Continue to talk with the Father and, and enjoy His presence. Can we do that? Awesome. All right, we love you guys. Have a great Sunday. Jesus, we ask that your Spirit would be here, sealing this time. Not sealing it in a sense that it's over or done, but just sealing it in our hearts so that it becomes part of our journey of faith as we walk into identity of who you say that we are. And I thank you that this is a room full of sons and daughters. And Father, when you look at them, you say, that's my daughter, that's my son. I love them and I'm so proud of them. Let that ring in our ears as we go from this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Awesome.